Hi, it's Gregory Dickow, and thank you so much for joining me today. Listen, I know it's difficult for us to connect here on the podcast. Personally, we can't really engage one-on-one, -on -one, but I do want to hear from you and connect with you further. Right now, I'm spending a lot of time on Instagram. I do my best to read and respond as many to as many messages as I, and comments as I can. I can't always get to everybody, but I love hearing from you and connecting with you. So if you're on Instagram or Facebook, shoot me a message or a comment on one of my posts, and I'd love to be able to respond to you. And I'd love to hear if there's anything on the podcast that stood out. If you have any questions, if you've got a testimony you'd like to share, let me know. I look forward to hearing from you soon, and thanks again for listening. Welcome to the Gregory Dickout Podcast. Today I want to talk to you about the most powerful words on earth, the most powerful words on earth. Say that the most powerful words on earth. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. The most powerful words on earth. I want to take you to a scripture in John chapter 11, the most powerful words on earth. And you'll find this to be familiar once we get into this. But I want you, I want you to see it from a different point of view the most powerful words on earth. Do you remember when Lazarus died and Lazarus was the brother of Mary and Martha? And so Jesus knew Mary and Martha. He knew Lazarus. He loved them. They loved him. And Lazarus dies suddenly and they reach out and they send somebody. Could you tell Jesus that our brother Lazarus has died? And so word got to Jesus, but he was delayed in coming. Either he delayed himself or he allowed himself to be delayed because he didn't need to come at the exact time that they wanted him to come. God's timing is always the right time. And it's never too late with God. Say that it's never too late. Boy, I believe that about God, that that his timing is always perfect and it's never too late, no matter how bad the situation is. You remember when that when Jairus his daughter was sick and he sent for Jesus and he said, send Jesus uh, a message. Please come and heal my daughter. She's sick. And Jesus says, I'm going to go and do it. And on his way back with Jairus, his daughter dies. Isn't it interesting that as soon as Jesus got involved with Jairus, the situation got worse. How many have ever thought, man, as soon as I started following God, as soon as I started tithing, as soon as I started forgiving and as soon as I started going to church, especially that church. Come on, help me now. As soon as I started doing what I thought God said, things got worse. But you know what? Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. But that's OK, because God's not limited by the current condition of the situation, because even though she was sick and when Jesus started going with him, she died. Jesus still came and raised her from the dead. Talitha Kumai, little girl, I say to you, arise. And she was healed and she was miraculous. She miraculously recovered. He raised the dead. Well, it's never too late for God. No matter what situation you're in, it's never too late. Amen. So. Jesus waits four days before coming to Lazarus's tomb. Lazarus is now dead for four days and Jesus gets there. And in verse 38, Jesus was moved with compassion. And it says that um, Jesus said in verse 39, remove the stone. And Martha said to him, the sister of Lazarus, Lord, by this time there's a stench for he's been dead four days. But Jesus said to her, did I not say to you, 
If you believe, you will see the glory of God. Now, that ought to teach us something right there that if you believe, you will see. Now, this is what living by faith is all about. It's believing God's word before you see it. It's believing God's promises before you see them show up in your life. Well, if you have to see it to believe it, then it's not faith at all. But if you'll believe it, you'll eventually see it. Anybody believe that here today? He said, didn't I say if you would believe you would see the glory of God or you would see God's power show up. The word glory here is the manifestation of God's power. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. So but here, verse 41. And so they removed the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes in verse 41. Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you, Father, I thank you, Father, I thank you, Father, I thank you, Father, I thank you. Notice how Jesus prayed, Father, I thank you, Father. He didn't say, Father, give me the power, Father, raise him from the dead, Father, help me. No, Father, thank you, not Father, will you, not Father, can you, but Father, thank you. Now, these are the most powerful words on earth. The most powerful words on earth are Father, thank you. Father, thank you. You know, this is how Jesus prayed. He didn't pray, Father, will you? But how many times have we prayed that? Father, can you? How many times have we prayed that? Father, if you don't, if I need this. No, that's not how Jesus prayed. He prayed, Father, thank you. Father, thank you. Father, I thank you. And listen, this isn't the first time that he prayed this way. He prayed this way in Matthew chapter 11 when he said, Father, I thank you that you have not revealed these things to the wise and the intelligent, but to the babes, to the innocent, to the pure, to the humble. This is what Jesus This is how Jesus prays. Father, thank you. Now, remember, I talked to you the other day about how thankfulness Thankfulness is the gateway to three things. Thankfulness is the gateway to happiness. I think that we have to realize that happiness is not some secular, worldly, unspiritual thing. Happiness was God's idea. The Bible says happy is the man who knows his sins are forgiven. The Bible says happy is the one that does not condemn himself. The Bible says happy is the man that finds wisdom and gets understanding. And we can go through the Bible and say and see scripture after scripture in Jeremiah, chapter 17. He said he said uh, happy is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. We can go and find it from Genesis to Revelation, how God's source. God is the source and author of all happiness and all of the things in the Bible that tell us that these things will make us happy, that God says that when you know your sins are forgiven, you'll be happy. When you trust God, you'll be happy. Happiness is not some worldly feeling. Happiness is God's idea. Happiness was God's idea. Happiness is God's idea. In fact, if you look at your life, everything you do today, everything you'll do tomorrow is in some way done to make you happy, whether it's going to work, 
because so you can have money so that you can give and pay your bills. Why? So you'll be happy, whether it's treating somebody in a good way. Why will you do that? Because it'll make them happy. It'll make you happy, whether it's leading somebody to Jesus Christ and seeing somebody get born again by sharing your faith. Why are you doing it? Because it makes them happy. It makes God happy and it makes you happy. You might think this is such a limited word about happiness. And yet everything we do is done to make us happy. Studies show that everything people do in their lives, their actions, their behaviors are done to make them happy. And you know what? It's funny because it's not funny what I'm about to say. It's sad, but it's true. And that is somebody said uh, that I think it was Blaise Pascal. He said the pursuit of happiness is the greatest pursuit and it is the most fundamental pursuit of all of mankind, even he who takes his own life does it to find happiness. And you know what? As sad as it is, and I don't want anybody to be encouraged to take your own life. That is the reason people do it is because they're searching for an escape. They're searching for happiness. They're searching for peace and contentment. And it's it's the pursuit of every human being. Now, that does not work that way. It will you will not succeed at being happy by taking your own life and you'll make everybody miserable around you as a result. But the fact is, is that we do what we do in order to obtain happiness. And God wants us to obtain it his way. And I'm telling you, thankfulness is the gateway to happiness. It's the gateway to happiness. Thankfulness is the gateway to the miraculous. We talked about that a little bit, and I'm going to show you here how it's the gateway to the miraculous. And thirdly, it's the gateway to your purpose. It's the gateway to your purpose. If you could get a hold of this, I think that every one of us could say today we're seeking today to be happy. We're seeking a miracle or we're seeking to discover our purpose and our destiny and God's will for our lives. Is there anybody here that could agree with that with me today? Every one of us is seeking one of those things or a combination of all of them. We're seeking happiness. We're seeking the miraculous. We're seeking purpose. And yet gratitude and thankfulness is the gateway to all three of those things. So let's take the shortcut to those three things. Let's take the shortcut to our purpose by being grateful. Let's take the shortcut to the miraculous by being thankful. Let's take the short the shortcut to happiness by being thankful. It works every time. Now, it's not just learning the manners, as I've shared with you before. It's not just it's not just learning the manners of saying thank you. It's being thankful because you have remembered and you have consciously thought about what God has done for you. This is what makes us thankful. It's not a it's not an attitude of gratitude that we're going after where you just have to get in your mind, learn to be thankful. No, it's remember what God has done and it will cause you to be thankful. Listen, do you understand? We're getting to the root of it. The root to gratitude is to remember what God has done and to realize it's only God or else it wouldn't have gotten done. It's only God that saved you. It's only God that sent that person across your path that helped you in your time of need. It's only God that healed you, delivered you. You say, no, I went to the doctor and that's how I got better. But God provided the doctor, the wisdom, the technology, 
The medical breakthroughs that are in this earth are from God. Jesus is the ultimate healer. He's the great physician. If we would realize that everything good comes from God, we will become thankful as we reflect and remember every good thing that has ever happened in our lives. You can't be thankful and remain ungrateful. You can't be thankful and remain afraid. You can't be thankful and remain angry. You won't. Anger will lose its power. Fear will lose its power over you. When you remember all that God has done. So let's look at this miracle in John 11, verse 41. So Jesus comes to this dead man. Four days he's been dead. And Jesus says, Father, I thank you, Father, I thank you. Now, let's talk about this for a minute. What is he thanking him for? This is really key, because just saying I thank you doesn't mean much if you're not thanking him for something specific. It really has the it has power in its specificity. Is that is that the right word? Specific specific. Say that three times fast and see what happens. Specific. You know what? You're going to give somebody in front of you a a hair wash. You're going to wash your specificity. Um, It's the, the power is in the specificity of what you're thanking God for. And notice specifically what Jesus thanks the father for. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I thank you that you have heard me. Boy, when you come to realize that God hears you, it will make you thankful. You see, it's in the reality of knowing that he hears you that causes Jesus to thank the father. He's not thanking him out of a ritual. He's thanking him because he believes the father has heard him. You know, something happens when you believe God has heard you. It affects you. It affects your emotions. It affects your attitude. It affects your 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 perspective. I love this verse in Psalm 116, verse one. Look at what David said in Psalm 116, verse one. He said, I love the Lord. Look at this Psalm 116, verse one. He says, I love the Lord because he heard my voice and my prayer. I love the Lord because he heard my voice and my prayer. You know, when you when we talk about being thankful, it's built upon specific things. Gratitude and thankfulness is built upon specific things, a specific list. Like David said, bless the Lord, all my soul and forget none of his benefits. And then he makes a list. He pardons all my iniquities. He heals all my diseases. He redeems my life from destruction. But notice what Jesus thanks God for. He thanks God for hearing him. And here David says, I love the Lord because he heard me. He heard my prayer. He heard my voice. Boy, that'll make you be in love with God when you realize he hears you when you pray. Boy, it'll really frustrate you if you're always wondering. I wonder if God heard me. I wonder if God hears me. I wonder if God knows what I'm going through. I wonder if God feels my pain. Not only does he not only does he feel your pain, he heals your pain. He feels you and he heals you. That's the God of the Bible. That's the Jesus that loves us. That's the God that forgives us. That's the savior that is listening to us. You know what? And it says he heard my voice and my supplication or my prayer. One translation says he heard my cry. One translation says he heard my. 
my whisper, my whisper, the cry of my heart. You know, you don't have to be real loud for God to hear you. You just have to be his. He hears you, you know. Knowing that God here, knowing that God hears him caused David to love God, knowing that God heard him caused Jesus to thank the father. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. See, it's not a ritual. It's not a religion. It's not a a learn. It's not a, a, a manner. Now, there's nothing wrong with being with having thankful manners. That's way better than being unthankful and having bad manners, right? It's better to have good manners than bad. But that's not what we're talking about. Our manners. We're talking about the most powerful words on earth. Our father, I thank you again in John eleven forty one. Jesus prays, Father, I thank you. Notice this. I thank you that you have heard me. And then notice what he says, in, says in verse 42, he says, but I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing here, that's why I said this, so that they will believe that you sent me. And then verse 43, he says. And so when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I wonder if he had to say the name Lazarus, because if he would have said just come forth, everybody would have got up that day out of the grave. Everybody would have rose from the dead. That's why he had to be specific. Lazarus, come forth. I bet somebody on the other side of the cemetery got up, too, because his name was Lazarus and nobody knows about it. It's a popular name back then. Lazarus, come forth. And what happens? Verse forty four. Picture this, folks. Look at verse forty four. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes around his face, wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. And all of this happened. This miracle, the power of the miraculous comes from the power of gratitude. Father, I thank you. And a miracle takes place. Father, I thank you that you've heard me and you always hear me. You want to know how to be heard by God? is this found in first John, chapter five, verse 14, because God hears you, too. But here's how your prayers get answered. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to what? Come on, help me now. If we ask anything according to his what? His will, he hears us. Now we'll get to, we'll talk about his will in a second. And then he says in verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, then we know we have whatever we asked of him. So. We can start our prayer the same way that Jesus did. Father, I thank you that you've heard me and according to your will. Now, how do we know God's will? Since preachers have told us his will is a mystery. Preachers have told us wrong. His will is not a mystery. Let me ask you something. Have you ever had a loved one die and they left a will? How many know they don't leave the will blank? They specifically say what they own and who they're leaving it to. That's a will. It's called your last will 
and Testament. And the Bible calls the new covenant and all of its promises associated with it, his last will and testament. And it says in Hebrews chapter nine, God's will goes into effect when he dies, when the one a will goes into effect when the person who made it dies. So Jesus didn't just die for your sins. He did die for your sins, but he died so his will could go into effect in your life. What is his will? It's his last will and testament. It's everything that belongs to him and who he has left it to. Well, who has he left all of his belongings to his children? Everybody who calls on the name of Jesus is the one he has left all of his belongings to. Remember, they said when they, they, they came and they said, um, let's kill the son, the, the vine, the, the vineyard, uh, the people that were renting from the from the vineyard owner. They said, let's kill the son and the inheritance will be ours. In other words, they thought that by killing the son, the inheritance would be theirs who killed him. But the truth is, is by killing the son, the inheritance became ours. The devil killed the son. Of course, Jesus laid down his life. But but Satan thought he was killing Jesus and he was going to get the inheritance because he the devil knows when somebody dies, all that belongs to them is left to somebody. And he thought it would be him since he was the one behind the killing. But the truth is, is that it's not up to the person who does the killing. It's the person who died, who they wrote in the will. And the Bible says that you're in the will of God, that before you even were in this before you were even born, before you even thought of in this earth by mankind, you were thought of by God. You're in his will. He chose you before the foundation of the world. He selected you before the foundation of the world. He he called you before the foundation of the world. He willed to you his inheritance before the foundation of the world. But it doesn't go into effect until he died. Well, he died 2000 and some years ago. And now the will is yours. And all you need to do is, as it says in first John, chapter five, verse 14, ask anything according to his will and he hears you. And if you have confidence that he hears you, you can have confidence in whatever you've asked you receive from him. Boy, God knows how to how to tie this thing up and and to make it plain and make it simple. It's really simple. He hears you when you pray when, and, and you know how to know his will. Look in the Bible. What has he left? Seven thousand promises that not one of them are maybe and not one of them are no, but all of them are yes and amen in Christ. All the promises of God. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. If you're born again, God says yes to all of his promises. All that you need to do is ask him. And the way to ask him is not father. Will you? It's not father. Can you? It's father. Thank you. Thank you, father. I thank you. It's not father. I wonder about you. (laughs) Father, I. I wonder if you can do it. It's father. I thank you that you've heard me and you always hear me. He always hears the cry of his children and any promise that is uttered out of your mouth is a prayer that God says yes to. And especially when it begins with thank you, Father, I thank you, Father, I thank you, Father, I thank you. Oh, the power 
of thankfulness. It produces the miraculous. It produces happiness and it produces purpose. It is the gateway to your happiness. It is the gateway to your purpose and it is the gateway to the miraculous. Let's keep going here. Remember, it's it's a choice we have to make on what we focus on. It's all about focus. Remember, fear focuses on all the things that could go wrong. Gratitude focuses on all the things that have gone right. Remember, fear focuses on all the things that could go wrong, but gratitude focuses on all the things that have gone right. And we get to choose what we focus on. We get to choose what we put the magnifying glass on. We get to choose what we give our attention to and how we're going to look at a situation. You know, it reminds me of the guy that was always negative. One morning, his wife prepared him a beautiful breakfast, but he took one look at it and he complained and he said, you scrambled the eggs. I want it over easy. So the next day she made another beautiful breakfast. This time she made the eggs over easy. He took one look and said, I thought I told you I like my eggs scrambled. She thought I can't win here. I know what to do. So she made another beautiful breakfast the next day. One egg scrambled, one egg over easy. The husband took one look at it and he said, what's the matter with you, woman? You scrambled the wrong one. It's all about what you focus on. Now, there's a lot of things wrong with this story, uh, not the least being it's kind of sexist, right? Like, why doesn't he make his own eggs? In fact, why does he make eggs for her? Why does she have to make his eggs? Come on, we're living in the 21st century or so, aren't we? It's perspective, it's focus. You can choose to focus on what you don't have. You can choose to focus on what people have done you wrong. People have misunderstood you. But look, the problem is or the solution to being misunderstood by people is to realize that God understands you and God is with you and he knows how to turn it all around. It's all about perspective. You meant evil against me, Joseph said in Genesis 50, verse 20. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. God turned it into something good. It's all about perspective. It's all about looking at how God does things and looking looking at the God of the Bible, the goodness of God that will always turn that thing around. He said that all things work together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. God turns it all around. What's in your situation? What's going on in your life that needs a turnaround? Put your trust in the goodness of God. Put your trust in his promise that all things work together for your good. Put your trust in the fact that God will what the enemy meant for evil. God will turn into something good. Man might have meant it, but God bent it and turned it into something good. Father, I thank you that no matter what weapons are formed against me, none of them will prosper. No matter what, Father, I thank you. See, these are the most powerful words on earth. Father, I thank you that no matter who is for me, God, you are for me. No matter who's against me, God, you are for me. Death, life, angels, principalities, none of them can separate me from the love of God. Father, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you're for me. I thank you that you're with me. It's all about gratitude for who God is and what he's already done. And that's where our focus needs to be. And I might sound I might sound like a broken record, 
I might sound like a broken record, but that's how I memorized all the songs that I know by heart is when I used to play them on my little phonograph. Anybody remember what a phonograph is? Not photograph. Most people don't even know what that is. But a phonograph was a record player. Anybody ever heard of a record? Somebody said, what record did you break? I broke all of them. They all skipped first, though. And all of my records, you know, the grooves, the, the, the grooves on the, the knee, the grooves in the vinyl and then the needle. I think they're popular now again, or they, they they've made a comeback a little bit that people listen to go by uh, these these vinyl records. But what would happen is I had my favorite album was the Jackson five greatest hits. And um, ooh, that's controversial these days, too. Sorry. You can't say anything in life today without somebody taking offense to it and reading it the wrong way, reading into it the wrong way. But I loved the Jackson five when I was a kid. And, um, you know, I remember that I remember the one song I used to play all the time. Got to be there, got to be there, got to be there, got to it never would get to be there. Oh, that's bad. I used to be able to sing like that high in the morning. Uh, got to be, it's got to be, there, got to be, got to be, got to be there. So you'd have to put you'd have to you'd have to press down on the needle so it would go it would it would get into the groove and it would keep playing. That's how we listened to music back in the day. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, but if I sound like a broken record, it's so you can get it. Got to got to got to got to got to be there. It's so you will truly get a hold of this. This is not some fancy sermon. It's not fancy at all. It's not a sermon at all, but it's not, I'm not trying to come up with something that will make you happy. You came to church today. I'm trying to come up with show you what God has already come up with that will make you happy for life and it'll make you powerful and you'll walk in the miraculous and you'll live out your purpose when you learn the beauty of thankfulness and gratitude that comes from remembering what God has done. It comes from it comes from remembering what God has done. It's all about focus. Listen, studies have been done. Happiness is the overflow of focusing on what you already have. Studies have proven this. God already said it. All the miraculous things come from focusing on what you already have. What do you have in your house? The woman needed a miracle, but the prophet said, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? Your miracle starts with what you already have and being grateful for what you already have. What do you have in your house? Look, I get it. Life sometimes stinks. Life sometimes is bad. Life sometimes throws you lemons, but you can turn it into lemonade through gratitude. You can turn it into something good through gratitude. Father, I thank you. The most powerful words on earth. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. It's so essential to living the life. We can all find something to be sad about. We don't even have to look very far. Right. We can all find something to depress us, something to, to discourage us. But God has given us this powerful force of gratitude that produces happiness, purpose and the miracles, and the miraculous power of God. One study found that they asked people to focus on three good things that had happened that day. And it revealed a significant increase in happiness, not only when the not only when the participants did the study, but six months after the study finished, they were still happier as a result of gratitude from six months earlier. Whoa, a little gratitude goes a long 
long way. Another study found grateful people to be less aggressive overall. Not now there's a good aggressive when you're just aggressive to succeed and you're aggressive to 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 believe and aggressive to be the best version of yourself. But we're talking about aggression here, being angry and using aggression against others. This was reduced. It caused aggression to be diminished. Giving thanks caused. Listen to this. One study showed giving thanks led to a nonviolent heart, a nonviolent heart. You know, anybody can have a violent heart and anybody can have a nonviolent heart. It's all about whether you're thankful for what you already have. You know, this is the solution to the violence in Chicago. This is the solution to the violence in this world, the, the, the political violence that we see in the world today, the, the racial violences that we see in the world today, the violence against children, the violence against um, girls and women and, and all of the abuse that takes place in the world today. Even boys uh, are, are, are mistreated. I mean, it's, uh, mistreatment and abuse doesn't have a gender. It really is full of it caused from a heart of violence. And where does that violence come from? This lust that is focused on what it doesn't have rather than gratitude that is focused on what it does have. This is what delivers mankind from evil. This is what delivers mankind from violence. This is what delivers mankind from mistreating each other and mistreating yourself. It's a heart filled with gratitude. You cannot have a heart filled with anger at the same time. You cannot have a heart filled with fear at the same time. You cannot have a heart filled with offense and negativity at the same time. The study showed that that giving thanks lowered daily aggression which was anger. It lowered anger, hurt feelings and overall sensitivity. It lowered anger, hurt feelings and overall sensitivity or an overreaction to things, being overly sensitive to what people have done to you. It's really the cure for being offended. The cure to being offended is not protecting your life so that nobody offends you. The cure to being offended is not by getting rid of all your friends and not having any relationships. The cure to being offended is not to jump from this church to another church because something somebody did offended you. The cure to being offended is to be grateful. The cure to being offended is not to jump from one relationship to the next. It's not to leave people. It's not to abandon people. Being a, the cure to being offended is not to be a holy person and be perfect all the time. The cure to being to being offended is simply to be grateful, to be thankful for what God has done, to be thankful that God's power is greater. What God has done for you is greater what people have done to you. Just get a hold of that for a minute, that what God has done for you is greater than what people have done to you. You can only be offended if you believe that what people have done to you is greater than what God has done for you. I need to say that again. If I could remember it, I would. But you guys have the you, you have it recorded now. Got to, got to, got to, got to, got to be there. Renowned psychologists Robert Emmons and Michael McCullough found that thankfulness caused the following miraculous benefits. Now, listen to this, because this is why we do what we do. Listen to what gratitude these psychologists found as they studied the science behind it all. Now, we know that we should be thankful whether the science validates it or not. God's word is enough to validate anything. Right. But the fact that science validates it also should be an encouragement to us. They, they, they did this study and they found that being thankful made people feel better about their lives, 
experienced greater levels of joy and happiness. They felt optimistic about the future. They got sick less often. They exercised more regularly. They had more energy, enthusiasm, determination and focus. They made greater progress towards achieving their personal goals. They slept better. They woke feeling refreshed. They felt stronger during trying times. They enjoyed closer relationships. They were more likely to uh, help others and offer emotional support. And they experienced fewer symptoms of stress. Now you think about it, no matter what we do in life, it's to accomplish one of those things to feel better, to have joy and happiness, to feel optimistic, to be less sick, to exercise more often and more regularly, to have more energy, enthusiasm, determination and focus, to make greater progress in our goals, to sleep better, to awake refreshed, to feel stronger during difficult times, to enjoy closer relationships, to uh, to to be helpful towards others and to experience less stress. All of those things are the miraculous benefits of giving thanks to God, being grateful, being grateful. Remember, gratitude is a natural antidepressant and a natural anti-anxiety force. Thankfulness is the most powerful thing on earth because it's an antidepressant and it's an anti-anxiety medication, so to speak, quote unquote medication. I told you before that every one of us has a pleasure center in our brain and dopamine and serotonin are the chemicals that hit the nerve center of your of the bliss center of your brain. And so that's why people do drugs. They don't do drugs because they're they're druggies. I didn't do a drug. I didn't do drugs when I was a kid because I was just I was it was in my DNA. Well, of course, sin is in all of our DNA. That's why we have to be born again. But the reason I did drugs is because I was looking for that high. I was looking for that happiness. I was trying to get that. I didn't know it, but but the dopamine was hitting my my pleasure center of my brain and the serotonin was hitting the pleasure center of my brain. And I was happy for a moment. Now, it didn't last. But it's what I kept going back to. And it's why I kept going back to the drugs, why I kept going back, because they released chemicals into my brain and they hit the pleasure center of my brain and I felt peace and I was happy for a moment in time. That's why God has given us this powerful force called gratitude and thankfulness, because that was designed by God and scientists have proven that it causes the chemicals of dopamine and serotonin to increase and hit the pleasure center of your brain. But there are no side effects other than more happy, joyful, peaceful, less stress, less sick. All these things are the result of this stuff hitting your brain, the pleasure center of your brain. When you say, Father, I thank you, then there is a literally a signal sent through the neurotransmitters of your brain that boom, hit the pleasure center and you're happy They hit the pleasure center and you're high. Now you say, I don't believe that. Well, try it. It works. It only it, it, and it, wor- it works for those that don't use it. It keeps you bummed out. It keeps you anxious. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with medicine, but medicine is a temporary fix for these things. Medicine is limited because it can't heal you. It can it can it can cure the symptoms for a while, but it, it doesn't usually get to the root. But gratitude does. Thankfulness does. And it and it rewires your brain so that it becomes easier and easier 
to be happy through gratitude, whereas drug drugs make it harder and harder because you constantly need more dosages to keep up with the neuro because the the drugs widen the path to your brain, to the pleasure center of your brain. Therefore, it takes more to shove more drugs through to hit the, the pleasure center. But gratitude works the opposite way. It actually creates a pathway on a shortcut to the pleasure center and it hits it faster with less. It doesn't require more thankfulness to hit the pleasure center. I'm not saying to be less thankful, but I'm saying it doesn't require that you can. OK, I was thank God for three things yesterday, but if I want to hit the pleasure center, I got to come up with 10 things today. No, you can come up with the same three and it'll go right to the pleasure center of your brain again and it'll start to create this fast track, this uh, fast pass, man. Come on, Disney World. It'll create this fast pass to the pleasure center of your brain. That's gratitude. And look at let me close with this. Look at uh, Romans one, verse twenty one. Notice what he says here. For although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. In other words, they didn't magnify the Lord. They put, put the magnifying glass on themselves rather than on God, nor did they give him thanks, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. How did their thinking become futile? Because they did not give him thanks. And what does it mean to be futile in your thinking? The word futile means without purpose, without purpose. You miss your purpose. When you're not thankful, but when you're thankful, it brings you into purposeful life and purposeful direction. And when you're ungrateful and unthankful, it makes your thoughts futile. You live a life without purpose, without focus, without aim. I choose thankfulness for what God has done. How about you? Boy, if we get a hold of this, if we get a hold of this, that how do you express thankfulness to be thankful? It requires you to be humble and it requires you to use your memory. We got to remember that it is he that gives. It is he that gives. It is he that gives. And we need to be humble, meaning what does it mean to be humble? The word humble, the word humility comes from the the Latin word humus, which means it means the earth. It means it means the earth versus hubris, which is arrogance. It means to see yourself above the earth and to see yourself better than others. But humility is to be the earth that other people can walk on the path of your life to get to God's destiny for their lives. It's to become a path for others. Humility is to be thankful and to be and to to remember what God has done and to become a path for others. We become the earth for others. We're we're low to the ground, meaning we don't think more highly of ourselves, but it doesn't mean we think bad of ourselves. It means that we don't think that we're better than other people. And the goal is not to be better than somebody else is to be the best version of yourself. To be humble is to be made of earth, to realize that you're down to earth, to be a down to earth person, a person who you let God use you for other people to find the path, to find a path to Jesus, to find a path to kindness, to find a path 
to God's will for their lives. Don't you want that? Don't you want to be a path for somebody else? That's humility. And to and you using that humility and that memory to remember it is he that gives. It is he that gives everything good that you have came from God. That'll make you thankful. That'll keep you humble. Hi, it's Gregory Dickow, and thanks so much for listening to this podcast. And I want to say a special thank you to all of you who have partnered with me in support of our Harvest Fund that's reaching the world. For those of you that don't know, I'm on a mission to see 30 million souls saved and lives transformed over the next few years. So many people around the world have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ in their own language. Others have never heard the gospel because they're blind or they can't read. They're in a third world country. That's why we started the Harvest Fund. And with your help, we're putting audio Bibles into the hands of precious people who have been forgotten or minimized by society. If you want to learn more about what we're accomplishing with the Harvest or make a gift today, visit harvestfund.org. And thanks so much for helping me spread the gospel and cover the earth with the love of God.